Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Or you can join us in the chat room on the Blog Talk Radio webpage at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Or if you're listening after the show, you can leave your comments over at the show thread at liberaldan.com. This is going to be a slightly different show today. Uh, instead of uh, just talking about a bunch of issues, I am actually going to be um, watching the uh, CNN Town Hall live on my computer. Uh, so if you're listening to it, um, if you're listening to the podcast after the live broadcast, you might be confused if there's some areas of silence. Uh, you might be better off if you're listening after the live broadcast to tune in while you're watching uh, the uh, the replay of the CNN uh, town hall for the Democratic Party. Uh, so that being said, uh, they are doing the introductions right now on CNN with some words from them. So uh, just go and there's some inter- interesting things going on in New Orleans. Uh, the ca- taxi cab drivers are going to be suing or trying to sue Uber drivers. Uh, in order to try and get them to stop Ubering because they feel it's an encroachment on their market share or what have you. Uh, that, sh- that trial takes place, or preliminary, preliminary hearing takes place on Friday. Uh, I'll be going into that probably next week. Um, so, again, this, there, there's some applause going on in the CNN debate. They're about to, or the forum, or the town hall. That's uh, about to... Uh, start now and uh, I'll be um, leaving my questions and comments and perhaps sometimes just, you know, taking a pause just to listen to what the candidates are saying or what the questions that are asked and leaving my comments as well. Um, one of the things though that I'm concerned when it comes to uh, Bernie Sanders um, spokesperson said today, supporting breaking up banks is a progressive idea. Well, um, you could be progressive and not necessarily support breaking up the banks. There are many, many issues that can be labeled as progressive. And it kind of goes with one of Bernie Sanders' tweets from today. He says you can be a moderate and you can be a progressive, but you cannot be a moderate and a progressive. And I find that to be false because, again, it's not a progressivism isn't a yes or no thing. It isn't black or white. There are many issues, again, that could be labeled as being progressive and they could be described as being progressive, but you don't have to support every single one of them to be labeled as a progressive or not. And you could be 
you know, moderate, a moderate person while supporting a lot of progressive issues. <clears throat> so we have Senator Sanders up on stage right now and being uh, interviewed with Anderson Cooper, um, uh, discussing the, uh, you know, his tie uh, coming from the uh, the uh, New Hampshire primary, I guess, is tie when it comes to voting. Uh, Hillary Clinton does have the superdelegates, so she winds up with a net lead um, in delegate counts after the first state. Um, and he has he's talking about the uh, you know the money that he's brought in from a lot of people, a lot of individuals who are very energized about his campaign. And he's gotten three and a, okay, three and a half million dollars, um, and is setting the records, which is great. But that, uh, I'm hoping that those people per, can't donate to his campaign. I hope they don't just go away if he winds up losing, if he winds up winning great. And I hope the Hillary Clinton people don't go away um, because this election is beginning really dirty. And I really don't want to see the people get so alienated on each side that if the other candidate wins, that they're just going to stay home. So let's listen to, excuse me, listen to some of what Anderson Cooper is saying, um, questioning, um, you know, I think, you know, Bernie Sanders, I think he likes being the underdog. I think he enjoys the uh, idea that he is, again, fighting the system. He's fighting the, quote, um, he's fighting the, quote, um, establishment of the Democratic Party. And as I, was, I tried to make a video last week discussing this issue, and unfortunately, um, I got a, my kid was crying in the background and my wife was taking care of him, but the, I'm sure I don't want to, I don't want to put out a video that had crying kid in the background. Uh, so I didn't get to post it. Um, but he, I think he embraces that underdog moniker and I think he is taking advantage of it. And, um, so, and, and, and Sanders is right. He has come a very long way when it comes to, you know, increasing uh, his, his name recognition, increasing his um, money, increasing his popularity. And he, maybe he took away some support from Hillary Clinton, who knows? Again, if you hear me talking or not talking, it's because I'm listening to the um, the, the forum or the uh, town hall that's going on. Um, so, and again, this is best listened to if you're also listening to uh, the CNN town hall. So if you're listening after the live broadcast, you should probably pull up the CNN forum either on YouTube or something and listen to it in concert, and you'll be able to hear my ideas, uh, my my commentary on what they're saying. You know, and, and that actually what he's talking about is the idea that he's just becoming a Democrat. And, and I think that is a disingenuous comment coming from the Hillary supporters that, oh, he's only recently a Democrat. Well, he's caucused with the Democratic Party for all of his political career. 
It's so, and he's actually supported many Democratic causes more than probably some Democrats have supported that are, you know, labeled as Democrats. But then here comes his comments about he's he's pillar is a moderate, and she says she's a moderate. <clears throat> But but those are not mutually exclusive things. What Bernie Sanders is saying, he's not. He's saying he can't be a moderate or progressive. They're not mutually exclusive. We're talking about taxes, and I don't think he's going to be. Uh, I don't think his plan calls for raising taxes on a forty-one thousand dollar a year salary, and. So what's interesting is actually, you know, the idea of tax rates. And he's bringing up the, you know, you might have to pay a little higher in taxes to cover your health care, but to eliminate your, um, your, you know, your premiums are going to be less. What's interesting with the idea of Medicare for all, and it doesn't, it might not necessarily, it might not necessarily, if, 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 the, if the premiums are coming out of your employer's pocket, you may not see a raise in your pay because of that. So that that, that is a problem with with the Sanders healthcare plan is that is that if you if your if your employer is paying the majority of your premium, Sanders is not necessarily going to Sanders is not necess, his plan might not cause you to pay less in taxes and health insurance premiums. And I've been I've worked at places where the employer the the employer if the employer is paying a majority of the premium and you take away the premiums and you increase the taxes then you're not seeing a savings um and that that that's a point that that Sanders needs to address um, and what also is important when you're talking about tax policies is that you have to make sure that the rate is not the most important thing that what is considered taxable income is also the important thing. So, so basically I'm tweeting right now, I would ask Bernie Sanders, um, what about, um, and Anderson asked, that's a good question, assuming you can get it through. The likelihood of him being able to get that through is pretty much slim to none. You will need 60 votes in the Senate. It's not gonna happen. Hillary Clinton is not going to get 60 votes in the Senate either. I don't think Sanders has, if Sanders has the math that shows that his presidency or his uh, campaign in the general election will bring out enough people to win 15 Senate seats, bring it on and I will jump on board immediately. <laughs> Trust me, if, if, he, if he's going to win back the Senate and the House with the gerrymandering that affects the House, support that if, if, if his support can do that. But I don't think he can. Um, and, you know, you know, creating a political revolution is nice, but I don't know if the political revolution can win 15 additional Senate seats above and beyond what are the people that are running for re-election this time. I don't, I, it's, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible to take place. And it, if they got 56, you still, they're still filibuster everything. an 
interesting thing. Revolution, evolution. I mean, nice little play on words, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> kind of a weak question by I guess Anderson's trying to say rush into things. I wonder what those what ages do those include? I mean, does that include people less than eighteen? Uh, it's an interesting. Eighty percent of young people didn't vote, or sixty-three percent of all people didn't vote. Well, does that include people who are not of voting age? That's, that's also something to ask. Um, I guess I'd have to tweet that at him unless, unless Bernie Sanders is going to come on my show, which he's more than welcome to. Uh, so, I'll, I'll open invitation to any presidential candidate. You can come on my show. Um, I'm not holding my breath though. New candidate, but Bernie is a nervous of butts. He does not like big butts, and he cannot lie. <clears throat> Basically, the person: How can you win over people who are not typically going to vote for you? i.e. the ultra-religious right and other people. And this, you know, I don't think he can, personally. I mean, neither can Clinton. I don't think anyone, you know, it's going to take them having euphoria that the religious that they, religion that they believe in uh, doesn't actually promote the things that they promote, which is takes a lot more of an epiphany that I expect from some people who, frankly, don't think for themselves. They let the other people do the thinking for them. I remember I was working, I ran for Congress and I was working at a hospital and I asked somebody for her support who lived in my district and she basically said she could not vote for me because she is going to vote for whoever the Republican Party would tell her to vote for. Nice having a mind of your own. So, and it's interesting that Bernie Sanders is, you know, saying the right things when it comes to, um, criminal justice reform, but I don't think Hillary Clinton's going to be wrong on criminal justice reform either uh, when it comes to understanding the fact that there are, there are disproportionate arrest rates, conviction rates, and prison sentencing rates amongst minorities as opposed to white people. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that there's a difference there. You know, if anybody can show me that there's a difference, they'd be more than happy to to hear that. Verdi and Max is in his faith actually sounds a lot me a lot, a lot me like a lot. He's not very practicing when it comes to his religion. He was raised Jewish, so was I. He's not necessarily practicing Jewish, Judaism. Not practicing Judaism. Um, I, my joke, my joke is that I don't have to practice. I, I, I practice enough as a kid. I, I have it down pat now. I don't need to practice anymore. Um, and you know, he married a Catholic woman, and so did I. So. He, um, one thing I have to do is I do have to keep talking a little bit over some of the some of the talking that they do because of the fact that Blogs Radio actually has something that will cut down silence. So I can't let it go silent for too long or else it'll cut down the audio and then it won't match up uh, with what I'm actually uh, talking about. Um,
not, you know, that's good that he he says that, and that's kind of you know my how I feel too. It's, it's basically a do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, So good, good for her for running again, I guess. It's, it's good to sound him be, I guess, be a little hawkish against ISIS, um, you know. And and again, we, we should we should be doing that. We should be working with people, and you know, it's actually kind of the the Jeb Bush stance of you know you know when looking at the Republicans for a second, you have Jeb Bush who, who actually says that they need to you know they need to come together, and that's why he's so against Trump's ideas because Trump's ideas would alienate the Muslim world and. Jeb Bush wants to get the Muslim world to get it, but with us and behind it. Now, can a Bush do that? Uh, I don't know. Um, Bush today at some forum that he was at, he had to actually encourage his own supporters to give to applaud at his applause line. I don't think Jeb Bush is going to be in this race much longer. Uh, we will know that after New Hampshire. We'll see what happens in New Hampshire. See if Jeb Bush lasts. If he doesn't do well in New Hampshire, he's done. He is done. I think anybody who, if you're not Rubio, Trump, or Cruz, and you don't do well in in, in New Hampshire, I, I think you're probably done. Definitely South Carolina. But, I mean, I can't imagine how any of these can, campaigns are going to be looked at seriously, especially money-wise when it comes to that. Uh. You know, one thing I'm a little, a little, um, one thing I'm a little more, uh, I've just lost my train of thought. <clears throat> because she's more hawkish. I mean, we'll give it that they back her and she, you know, that's also a good point. He is the secretary. Of, she was secretary of state. So people are more likely to, you know, think that she might be better, more experienced on foreign policy. And he's right, but it's also kind of hard to, it's it's very hard to be critical of people. I mean, back in the day when you had our nation, you know, saying that, oh, it was Iraq that was involved. Now, there are a lot of people who was like, okay, well, Iraq's involved. Why are we going to believe that they're going to lie about that? And we know that they did not give us the truth, give us truthful information. Um, so it's kind of, but it's kind of, kind of hard to criticize people back then. It's kind of like, you know, John Kerry. When John Kerry said, I voted for it before I voted against it. And that was a horrible line. But in my world or my viewpoint, that basically is, I would, um, I voted for to, to give Bush the ability to give take 
you know, reasonable steps to protect us. And he did not take reasonable steps to protect us. And that's why I voted against it afterwards. Um, now we're switch talks, you know, to um, racial injustice, uh, police brutality, black neighborhoods, et cetera. And one of the things, though, that I would say that you have to do and holding police officers accountable is that no matter how unpopular it is in a department for a police officer to step up and sh shine a light on corruption, we as a society need to step up and support that police officer. We need to form a circle around that police officer who exposes corruption and make sure that that person doesn't get punished for trying to do the right thing. Because if you're in a corrupt department where you have a lot of people in the higher-ups who are, who are corrupt, <laughs> it makes it a lot more, much more difficult to step up and say, look, I'm going to fight this. Because if you, if, especially if nobody has your back, because you have a family potentially to raise. You might have a wife, husband. You might have kids that you're raising that you have to support, and losing your job could be hurt harmful. So we need to show that we will back up those police officers. And I agree with him there, but again, I don't necessarily believe that that is a, a difference between him and Hillary Clinton. And I, I can't imagine Hillary Clinton saying anything different uh, to that or different from that. And so I, I don't know how that separates. You know, and that's a, trying to retrain police officers on how to better use deadly force, especially when it comes into their interactions with minorities. Um, that's a progressive thing. And again, you know, it, it, there are certain issues where if you don't support it, it's kind of hard to call you a progressive. Um, but, you know, if you do support those, I'm going to lean that you're likely a progressive um, in the absence of any other available information. So. No, and I wasn't alive during that time that they're talking about when it came to, uh, you know, when Bernie Sanders marched. Um, I was I was the young, young person in my but my school made it very important to teach things about social justice, about equality, about about making sure that we knew about Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, many of the many of the figures uh, from uh, Black History Month and other, you know, other other figures in Black History, period. Um, and, and we respect them. And, you know, Rosa Parks, you know, was always one of my favorites. You know, I, 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 I always looked up to that idea of just, you know, somebody who is, you know, you know, that old and that, you know, frail who just refused to move. And in the face of, of overwhelming, you know, strength, who is, you know, who is going to stand up and do the right thing and say, no, I'm not going to move. I bet the Republicans voted against it.
That's a good answer. I mean, I'm not exactly sure if anybody would admit to ceding uh, support of veterans to the Republican Party if they're a Democrat. But I think that I think that answer pretty much told that guy, look, this is what I've done for you. You know, the what have you done for me lately? Well, here's what I've done for you lately. I guess I guess the only problem with that is that you know not everybody's gonna you know gonna go be able to, or was willing or able or even know how to check the record. So you have to let people know what your record is uh, in order to make them know, make it known that this is what you've done. And I guess if some people are lying, it, it'd be hard for you to know if the administrator is saying, "Oh yeah, everything's fine." No. And again, I'm, you know, just speaking quietly at the moment just because, you know, to make sure that Block Locker doesn't cut off any of the sounds. But we're listening to, if you're tuning in later to the show, listening to um, the CNN forum, you know, you can watch it online if you have CNN on your cable system or you can watch it on your television and, you know, listen to this at the same time. And you're more than welcome to call in uh, and discuss the issues that are brought up as well. Uh, or join us in the chat room and, uh, <clears throat> you know, join join me with the conversation or, you know, if you want to listen to what I have to say along with what they're saying in the forum, you know, you can do that too. My way or the highway. Has he said that? Is is he Fred Durst? This time I'm going to let it all come out. This time I'm going to stand up and shout. I'm going to do things my way. It's my way. My way or the highway. (laughs) That's a good question because most likely you're not going to get Congress until... The president goes after gerrymandering with the Justice Department. I don't know why he has not done that. That's one. That's my, one, probably one of my biggest criticisms of the Obama administration, or as, as of right now, why haven't you gone after gerrymandering with the Justice Department? It is a violation of civil rights, of voting rights, to for these lines to be redrawn in, in such egregious ways. I mean, it's horrible, and it, uh, there's no way that. You should be able to have 18 elect, 8, 20 electoral college votes, 18 from in Pennsylvania, 18 from the House, two from the Senate, and Obama gets all of them because he wins the majority of the state. But the lines are drawn in such a way that the Democrats only want five of the 18 available House seats. That doesn't make sense. And how that is not a violation of voting rights is beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. And Sanders is saying that he can find common ground uh, with McCain and other people and other moderates, but the McCain-like people are not the majority. And basically what Bernie Sanders is saying here is you need to send congressmen to run for Congress along with 
me to it's not but it's not the campaign finance system i have to disagree with that the campaign finance system is less of a problem than gerrymandering The gay movement. <laughs> that's an interesting way for him to say it. I mean, that's what you, what you get when you're an older guy, I guess. He isn't touch gerrymandering. And I mean, maybe he just, I don't know. If you're not touching gerrymandering, you're not touching that problem. I mean, yes, the, watching the, the money is an issue, but gerrymandering is also a huge issue. It's a bigger issue. It makes it much harder for people to be able to run in competitive races. <laughs> oh, I think Anderson Cooper's hair might be whiter than Bernie Sanders' hair, speaking of age. I was a cross country runner too in, in middle school. I didn't do too well and that didn't last. You know, I am a bit tad overweight. So, all right, so they're taking a commercial break right now. So, I guess that's a good time for me to take a commercial break as well. Uh, so, again, if you want to join the conversation, it's area code 347 838 It's area code 347-838-8368. Uh, you can also join us in the chat room or uh, if you're listening after the live broadcast, it's, uh, or you can comment at liberalband.com. So then this is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica R.W., and Autumn S. 
I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. Follow JS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Little Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. You can join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, uh, or you can go to liberaldan.com after the live broadcast. You can also follow me on Twitter, at liberaldanradio on Twitter. You can also... Uh, go to facebook.com slash liberalvan as well. And that is uh, all the different ways. I, I'm also on Google Plus too, Liberal Dan Radio on Google Plus. You could also follow me over there. I don't do as much over there as I probably should. I also need to do, you know, YouTube. There's an interesting thing that came up today, actually, before they get back to the debate, we've got about 50 seconds left for that. Um, there was an announcement that there's a guy who's supposedly pro-rape. He's called Roosh 5 or Roosh V or whatever the hell his name is. Um, I've heard of him before uh, because I used to, you know, go uh, to these horrible men's rights advocates websites and, and argue with them. Um, and, you know, before this story came out, I was actually thinking one of the things that I should do with my podcast or with my blog is to actually go out and go after, you know, and start, start attacking these men's rights advocates. Because the only people who really can fight male sexism, in my opinion, is men. So... I was thinking about doing that and, and, and putting some sort of focus on, you know, shining the spotlight on the bad behavior of men's rights advocates. And here comes one who is supposedly pro-rape, who believes rapes should be a, allowable in a private home. Uh, weird. Um, and he was going to have a bunch of meetups on the 6th, um, including one in New Orleans. Um, and apparently he, it turns out that it turns out that he is canceling those, I guess, because he got afraid. <clears throat> I agree with what my wife is saying right now. My wife is saying some wonderful things. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like
it's good to hear him talking about. I'm, I'm waiting for the butt. He, he's afraid of the butt. I'm waiting for the butt. <laughs> There's the butt. There is the butt. He's afraid of the butt. I was looking for the butt too. Again, but progressivism isn't a black or white, white or wrong. You know, it's not all inclusive or nothing. You know, you're, you're not going to sit there and, and if, if you if you do one thing that progressives don't agree with, or that that that, that a consensus of progressives don't agree with, it doesn't automatically mean you're not progressive. There may be some issues there. You know, I don't necessarily believe that her taking money means that she's not quote progressive. It's because Wall Street donors are contributing to her pack. I've always been interested in the idea that you know, I mean, if Nazis or Klansmen are supporting your campaign, you know, and I'm not saying they're supporting Hillary's at all, you know, you might have to question why they're, they find such agreement with the campaign. But that doesn't necessarily main, make the, that person a bad person unless they're actually actively going on and seeking those clans people to come come join under your tent or what have you or hood. Um, I just don't I just don't understand that you know that why, why just be, you can't just say okay well Wall Street people donate to her and therefore she's not progressive you know. She's progressive on many issues like women's health, uh, like abortion rights, like, you know, and, and sometimes maybe it took her a while to get to some progressive issues like gay rights. Um, and maybe that was more political than anything, you know, not being out in front and leading on that when she should have been, um, and which is, you know, you'd want the people who are leaders to get out there and lead on such things. But sometimes people don't. I mean, even President Obama to gay marriage late. Um, as later than I would have liked. Um, but so the idea that one is not a progressive because one does something that you don't think, think is progressive is, to me, a faulty argument. They also suffer from arachnophobia, of Biden. <laughs> Even though he does, he did feel that Obama should be primaried. There goes my kid crying again. 
Excuse me. It's a good thing. You know, definitely, you know, shouldn't be, you know, being addicted to something shouldn't make you a criminal. Um, And that's an interesting phrasing there, you know, when I talk about moving towards universal health care, which is, which is, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a shift of his talk. Um, That's definitely interesting that he says when I talk about moving towards instead of implementing. I'm wondering if the campaign is deciding that moving towards is a better way to put it. Um, it's, it's definitely interesting that, that he said that. I, I want to see if that's uh, something uh, that that he um, some, something that he is going to be doing. Um, Because it makes them money, and they're drug dealers. They're irresponsible people that do that, uh, that, that prescribe, you know, oxycontin and stuff like that, are um, basically no different than drug dealers. Again, I'm being quiet as I'm listening to the things until I have something to comment on. I don't want to necessarily be speaking over everybody during the whole thing. So again, this is a this is a uh, commentary on the uh, CNN town hall. If you're listening to this, it's probably best to also be listening to the CNN town hall on replay on YouTube or wherever CNN might host it. Uh, so I urge you to go pull that pull that open and listen to that as well. Um, about 48 minutes into it at the moment. Um, I've been 48 minutes into the podcast as well. So we like 47. I think we started like a minute after the hour. <laughs> I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that Bernie can't win. I mean, I'm going to vote for him regardless. Um, but what I'm saying is that is that I don't know if he can get his ideas implemented because he will have to have more supporters, more liberal supporters in the House and in the Senate uh, than I think Hillary might need. Because while I'm not saying she's not progressive, I would definitely say that Bernie Sanders is definitely more to the left than Hillary Clinton. Um, on most issues. 
of excitement, but just because you're loud, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be effective. Um, you know, I'm sure the people in Iowa were maybe louder and more excited than the Hillary supporters were. But to give you uh, a win in Iowa, she still had slightly more support than you. So the idea that you have more excited people, um, you know, I, I prefer, you know, I can be calm and rational whilst being supportive of a candidate. Um, if Sanders is the candidate, I will be supportive of him. I will also be supportive of Clinton as, as the candidate. And I'm jealous of, of New Hampshire like that because currently I'm registered no party. I would love to be able to, to go vote in whichever primary I would like to vote in. Unfortunately, Louisiana has closed primaries for the presidential election. A Sanders-Trump election would definitely be an interesting thing because you'd have the corporatist versus the socialist. And while he's technically a democratic socialist, he's not a full-on socialist and blah, 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 you know, it would definitely be an interesting, it would definitely be an interesting uh, thing to look at. Uh, I would have a fun time on my podcast with that, but I'm not voting to that I have a fun time on my podcast. I'm going to vote for what's best for the country, not necessarily what gives me the most fun. Well, Donald Trump, you know, he thinks wages are too high in America. He thinks climate change, change is a hoax. And he also questioned of the, the eligibility of both President Obama and candidate Ted Cruz. Um, unfortunately, there are some liberals that are jumping on that birther bandwagon as well, and that is really unfortunate that they're doing that. I'm very disappointed in that. And it looks like it's getting towards the end of the hour. And normally I would end the podcast at this point, but I am going to be going through that to the next hour, because I'm sure the next hour is going to be Hillary Clinton's, I don't know if you call it, Senator Clinton, Secretary Clinton, um, lots of titles that she had. But I'll be keeping it on the entire time, and maybe a few minutes longer as well. The red car. What did you do? I guess the woman in the audience right now just seems to disagree with her and I guess likes his pipes. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious though that, that I've seen the the smile of, of Bernie Sanders compared to um, Garth from Wayne's World, and it's hilarious. They have the same toothy smile, and he just did it there. 
Oh, that is, that is, I guess, and now I know who that woman in the audience is. Okay, so I have to make sure to say some things. Sanders is giving us closing comments. I'll probably go to commercial after this. Um, and when they switch to uh, when they switch to uh, speak to Hillary, um, we'll go from there. And again, I need to talk at some point because I don't want uh, Blog Talk Radio cutting the dead silence uh, out of the out of the show, which sometimes they'll do if there is dead silence. So. Then, as, as they're going to commercial break, I'm going to be going to a commercial break as well. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. You could also join us in the chat room at blogspotradio.com slash liberalband, or you can uh, comment at the show at liberalband.com. you need legal representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters, you need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement. Do you like fun jewelry? Do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story? Well, with Origami Owl, you can do just that. An Origami Owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends, hang out, and design jewelry. There is no pressure to buy, but when you host a party, either in person or online, you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase. If you would be interested in holding a party, either online or in person, go to cassiezcharms.origamiowl.com. That is C-A-S-S-I-E-Z charms.origamiowl.com and contact Cassie today. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Uh, you can make comments after the show over at liberaldan.com on this show or any other show that you might want to leave a comment on or um, follow me at facebook.com slash liberal band or go at liberal band radio on Twitter and you know, have discussions, short, brief conversations with me there. Unfortunately, sometimes Twitter conversations can't sometimes go down into the dirty, um, 
dirty realm, I guess. So I definitely want to uh, avoid that at all costs uh, because I don't like the the dirtiness and I don't like the small mindedness that can take place on Twitter. But you know, you're more than welcome to comment me, comment with me, discuss with me the issues. Um, you know, you know, Bernie Sanders going back to the whole are is Hillary a progressive? Um, you know, some of the things that are listed uh, some other days. Um, pleads guilty to being moderate and center. Well, you could, you know, people on, who are moderate and who are center or center left um, are more progressive than people who are on the right, for example. So you can be progressive or definitely more progressive than the people on the right, definitely. And again, it's not an every or all thing. It is not a, you know, all or nothing thing. It is a, we're going to, you know, it is a, you know, how much of this do you support and how progressive are you? Again, you might make the good argument. You might make a good argument that Bernie Sanders is more progressive than Hillary, but I don't think it's accurate to say that Bernie Sanders is the only progressive in this race. Um, You know, I don't necessarily think that she her opposing uh, Medicare for all, I think necessarily should say Medicare, oppose Medicare for all. Oh, I had a little problem on CNN. CNN wasn't loading and I was able to bring it back. Um, it says the universal saving repair system will never, ever happen. I have an issue with the, with the idea that it will happen. I don't think it can, especially in this political climate, even with the revolution. So... Um, and there's a lot of things that, you know, she opposes Reed sitting glass steagall But why? What about it? Would she replace it with something different? Something maybe better? Again, just because Bernie Sanders thinks that something is the right thing to do or the progressive thing to do, doesn't mean that it is the right thing to do, nor does it mean that there are not other progressive ways to do them as well. So, you know, she supported TPP 45 times before changing her mind. Her changing her mind could be seen as, per- <coughs> excuse me, progressive. Um, supported Patriot Act reauthorization. Well, unfortunately, you know, that's unfortunate, but um, and she just <clears throat> she took the words right out of my mouth. There are progressive goals and different ways to get there. So, literally, I just said that 30 seconds before she did. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Are you really a progressive? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said the same thing earlier today too. I said I don't think that Bernie Sanders is the arbiter, I guess, of who who is a progressive or not. There are a bunch of conservatives when Hillary Clinton says, I know what I've done. A bunch of conservatives are like, oh, yeah, you know what you did.
almost think they were thrown out. That's the thing. I, you know, Hillary, Bernie says things that I, I disagree with. Hillary says things that I disagree with. I don't think that claiming, claiming that Planned Parenthood is part of the establishment is not throwing them out of the progressive ring. That's so frustrating. <laughs> that's a good answer. They don't have to be for me. I'm going to be for them. That, that, that's a good response. I really like that. Um, that is also true. I mean, granted, I don't know if she'll be able to do that, you know, again, because in order to get anything that she does done, she is going to, uh, she is going to have to actually, you know, get the same votes that Bernie Sanders would have to get. And I don't understand. I don't, I don't see her path to that either. Um, So. <laughs> and it was called Romney Care in the middle of that. I think that's a reasonable point to be made, and I don't think that necessarily means that she's saying, no, we can't. And you want to know when we got to, from yes, we can, to no, we can't? It's 2010 when Democrats did not show up. And this is the the number one most important thing in this election, appointing Supreme Court justices. I will applaud that line right there.
And basically, this is a conservative activist court currently, with Kennedy being a weird guy. Fortunately enough, the conservative activist court, for some reason, decided that Erdogan was going to support Obamacare. Um, But you have four people on that court who are conservative activists, and that is why you can't let any more conservative activists on this court. That's a very good answer from Franklin. I would really like, I really would like to see him Bernie Sanders respond to that. I can't imagine it would be that much different. That I guess I have to say that. But it sounds like he's asking about allowing people to terminate their lives. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. You know, I guess end of life. I guess it is end of. I don't know if end of life choices means choices that you make towards the end of your life. Or if that means choices to end your life, I guess that's that's that is a that is a definitely definitely. I mean, there should be the conversation, and I don't know what he's asking. Don't necessarily, I would if I change my answer in support of him and what he's saying. Um, I don't know. You know, my answer might not differ, but it but it, I guess that's probably with the English language. English language is not necessarily that clear as to what he was asking. At least to me, maybe I'm stupid. Who knows? On some issues, I think I am at least not as fully informed as I could be, and that's why I try and look up things as much as possible. But whoa, that was a really big close-up of Hillary Clinton there. <laughs> Hello. Here come, the Republicans are coming along and say, oh, death panels. Uh-oh, death panels. So I don't know. I don't have too many more other pithy comments to make about that. 
<laughs> At least he's being honest. One thing I guess I would say is that Bernie Sanders just said that ISIS should be destroyed. So I don't. So I'm not sure if he's going to be happy with Sanders with Sanders saying it should be destroyed. If it means us going in there and destroying them, because if they must be destroyed, it means they must be destroyed regardless of we get if we get help. Hezbollah, Hamas, Al Qaeda, the Taliban, Boko Haram. I think it's unrealistic for people to think that we can't, people can't send our military over there. I mean, if you're absolutely anti-100% interventionist with no exceptions whatsoever, then I think you're being an unrealistic voter. Um, It's as simple as that. I mean... Didn't want to just get rid of the draft altogether. Why? Why at this point do we need to register for the draft anyway? Don't we have the technology to to be able to handle that without having any but needing people to register? Doesn't make any sense. You know, a lot of um, who are former people, former or elected people.
Well, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She would be president at the time. We wouldn't have a Republican president misleading people. I mean, that's the first thing to say. Uh, my uh, debate's buffering, unfortunately. And that's what I just said. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, Eric Cartman. So. Of course, the exceptions were based on a logical fallacy. Uh, they required Iraq to prove that they didn't have chemical weapons, which is an issue because it's difficult to prove a negative. It's difficult, nay, impossible to prove a negative. As they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's one of the things I saw something today. It was an article that I basically said if you if you distrust uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, you have to question whether or not it's because you've been spending 25 years listening to Republicans. <clears throat> the talk right there was pretty damn nasty, especially when attacking not just her, but her kid. Especially, I think, less than what they said that they would spend in 2012. Maybe the Koch brothers realized that them spending so much money isn't actually effective um, because they couldn't beat Obama. Thank goodness. That kind of reminds me of one of the things that I've said um, on this profile before, too. Uh, One of my tweets is, uh, did conservatives put in God we trust on our money so they would feel less guilty about worshiping it?
<laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not a conspiracy anymore. <clears throat> I hope so. And are beating it, or the liberals, Democratic supporters beating it is going to rely on one thing. I mean, everybody getting over, everybody who loses getting over the candidate loses and getting and supporting the candidate who is the chosen nominee. And just get over yourself, get over your um, anger at your people losing. Because the Republicans and their pains in the asses. Hey, she went up in Don't say it two more times, or Osama bin Laden comes up like Beetlejuice. I would love to see some relief on student loans. That's coming up for me real soon, and it's not going to be pretty. Shalom. (laughs) Oh, God. Dust in the wind, all we are is dust in the wind. Oh, it's nice to see a Jew, Jew up there. Oh, yeah. one good thing about a Sanders or Clinton was that nobody can claim that they're that nobody's. That people will have a hard time trying to claim that they're Muslims. You know, not that we should have listened to them when they were Muslim when they claimed Obama was a Muslim, but still. likely don't know what she means right there.
And again, have to talk a little bit every now and then just to make sure that blog talk radio doesn't cut off the science to make sure that my, uh, Oh, I got a caller, uh, to make sure that my, um, discussions of the issues, uh, do not, uh, um, get cut off so it stays equal with the debate. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, do you want to uh, make a comment about what's going on with the uh, town hall right now? I'm actually not watching, so I'm kind okay. of catching up uh, to, to what you're saying and kind of catching a, a little bits and pieces there, but I'm actually not oh, okay. watching. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing that's going on. You know, it's it's you know, this show, you know, is kind of an experiment uh, on my part just to see if if doing this sort of thing is a good idea. You know, I know some people do it with, like, maybe sporting events, but I don't know how much of a good idea it was for the for the forums, because if you're listening to me, you might not be listening to them. But um, it's been an interesting uh, town hall. You know, they, they didn't have the candidates go back and forth with each other. It's, you know, in some of the town hall-style debates that they've had, it's been, it was the first hour was all Bernie, second hour is all Hillary. Um, so it's definitely, you know, been interesting and um, thing to watch and listen to and, and hear the, the candidates uh, discussing these things. Of course, there's not going to see as much fireworks as you might see, I think, in tomorrow's debate. So um, how are you feeling about the, uh, about the race as it stands right now? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> I'll vote Green Party right in or, you know, whoever I I can think of Mickey Mouse, whatever. <laughs> so you're not going to be voting uh, Democrat or Republican, or no, no, no. Uh, I, I feel like that would make me complicit. So I'll okay. Um, I'll with those people. But I mean, in your mind, are 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 the um, they're going to break right now? So it's a good time to to discuss this. Do you think? Uh, I mean, a lot of people who do vote third party, like sometimes will say that the the parties are the are the quote same. Um, do you believe that they're the same, or do you believe that there are, are differences between the parties that make them different, even though voting for either of them might not be palatable to you? Uh, yeah, there's there's huge differences between the parties, and you know there's going to be a, a basically a, a power structure within either one that kind of tilts towards different things that, that, you know, a lot of people are really passionate about. Uh, but the things I'm passionate about are the things that are off the table for both parties. So I just look at it as I'm going to, you know, stay up to date on what's going on, but I'm still going to vote my conscience and, you know, uh, vote for one of these people who has no chance of winning. <laughs> but I, I still I still consider voting to be, uh, an important thing just because if you don't vote, they'll say you're apathetic, but when you actually vote for one of the lesser knowns, uh, then they have to register that as they didn't reach you. So I, I, at least they know. And look, as somebody who ran for office as a so-called lesser known, I definitely appreciate that sentiment. Trust me. Um, you know, the the area code showing up shows up as Atlanta. Are you from Atlanta? I'm not from here, but this is where I am. Oh, this is where you live. Okay. So you're registered to vote in Georgia. Um, and Georgia, I think it's most likely it's safe to say that Georgia will likely go to the Republican candidate regardless, you know, of, of how people vote. I mean, it's, it's you know, obviously there are issues, um, you know, enough people get out. I mean, any state could technically flip, 
Um, but I think, like in my state in Louisiana, you know, I know people who are Sanders supporters who have said that they're not voting for Hillary if Hillary wins. I'm less concerned with, like, for example, Louisiana people doing that uh, than with, um, you know, somebody in a state that's more likely to flip-flop or swing or that's in play, as they say. Um, so in a state like in many of the southern states, and maybe the exception of Florida, um, I think if, you know, voting third party may very well be a um, a meaningful protest vote. Uh, instead of something that might spoil something. But in Florida, um, the protest votes may have, uh, may be problematic when it comes to, you know, you know, allowing the worst of, of what someone might perceive as two evils uh, getting through. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, Chomsky had something interesting to say about that this week, where he said he would, of course, vote for Bernie Sanders. But if he was in a swing state, he would advise people, you know, if it came down to it, if he had to vote for Hillary, just vote for Hillary if you were in a swing state. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some political intelligence there in that idea. So I definitely get that. But as a black American, uh, since my concerns aren't registered with either party, uh, no, no. Uh, I look at the Democrats and say, earn this vote or lose, and look at the Republicans and say, I understand that a huge part of your base is uh, based on not liking anything that would be associated with me. So I know you're not going to risk it. So, yeah, both parties I mean, and, 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 and that's a good – I mean, if you truly feel that neither party is looking out for your best interest, then I mean, I can understand that it would be hard uh, to say that. Of course, um, I do think that uh, the Supreme Court justice nominee coming from a uh, person on the Democratic side is going to be more likely to – appoint a Supreme Court justice that might be more likely to overturn um, laws that disproportionately affect, affect minorities. Um, you know, but you know, actually, I, I probably did participate in one election where I did vote third party when I was a registered Democrat, um, because my, my choices down here were uh, Joseph Gao, who was a Republican, challenging the incumbent Bill Jefferson, who was a Democrat. Joseph Gao, you know, actively endorsed the uh, um, Louisiana Family Forums endorsement, and that's one of the most extremist right-wing people uh, groups that are out there, and I couldn't with any sort of good mind vote for Joseph Gao. Um, I also couldn't vote for Bill Jefferson because he was, you know, blatantly and obviously guilty of the charges that he was against, and he was eventually found guilty of them, um, and he was definitely a very corrupt person. So I wound up electing uh, or voting for the Green Party candidate, uh, who happened to be um, a former, uh, 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 someone who was convicted of a felony and who was, you know, when I did research into what he was doing, he was actually working to fight to help other people who would get out of jail to come back into society um, and uh, be helped um, by a system that is honestly broken. And I think if all of the people who voted for him, uh, that Green Party candidate, uh, would have voted for Bill Jefferson instead, I think Bill Jefferson actually would have won and would have made a difference. But voting for Bill Jefferson was just so not palatable, that idea was just so, um, he, yeah, I was not voting for a progressive by voting for Bill Jefferson, even though he claimed himself to be um, part of a progressive movement. Um, so I can definitely understand um, looking at two candidates and being like, I cannot vote for either of these two people, regardless of what, the, what it comes down to. Um, but I, I guess I would also say on the other hand that you have individuals 
uh, you know, individual congressmen are, are unlikely to be able to change anything when it comes down to, you know, um, civil rights, uh, to protecting uh, minority rights and, and other issues that are important um, to me. And uh, as opposed to a president uh, who's, to me, the most important issue in this election, because um, I think the most important election is, is Supreme Court justice nominations and <clears throat> maybe followed up by maybe the second most important, which is, I think, not being discussed, is having the Justice Department go after uh, gerrymandering as a violation of individual voting rights um, and as a violation of equal protection under the law. So, but I don't see any candidates talking about that issue, which which frustrates me beyond no end, um, because that that is the only way you're going to actually get um, better representation in uh, the House. Because um, as I said before, uh, when I was and I said several times, you know, in other other shows. Uh, you have a state like Pennsylvania with 18 congressional seats. Uh, Obama in 2012 won that race. The Democratic senator also won that race. However, only five of 18 uh, congressional seats went to Democrats because in 2010, people didn't show up. Um, and I got, into, I got into an interesting Twitter conversation with somebody um, over, um, you know, Hillary Clinton and her statements of, you know, that she doesn't believe that we can get single-payer health care. And the person repeated a line and quoted to me, which was, when did yes, we can become no, we can't. And I told him, I said, I'll tell you when that happened. It's in 2010 when the voters stay home, stayed home, allowed their legislatures to become uh, controlled by the Republican Party and then allowed the, allowing them to redraw districts in such a way so that they would, A, keep their majorities in the state legislatures and gain significant majorities in the House of Representatives. So um, elections, yeah, especially well, all, all well, elections, true, have a question. Right. But okay, go true, ahead. There was, a time, there was a time where Obama had the majority. He could have pushed for single payer. He chose not to. He chose to sit on his hands and wait until uh, the thing would be as divided as it was, and then he never put it on the table. And and then this, this point blank period, the funniest thing about that whole gerrymandering thing was, after a while, they gerrymandered themselves into super conservative, ultra right wing groups who would put, who would propose things that no one could get done, and were so far outside of political norm that they became, you know, uh, just basically, uh, I, I guess you could say, the infighting became to where the point where they were ready to just throw the whole Tea Party out, and, and that was hilarious to watch them flail away at that point. So he, well, I mean, they're it, evil. It, they still bungle along. Yeah, I mean, so it, it, the, the problem is is that in, in how they redrew those districts, they basically made mm -hmm. it so that instead of having to fight over two more centrist candidates, maybe who who might have you know a willingness to compromise, they they basically pushed people to the extreme, and you're electing more extreme candidates. Now, I don't think President Obama ever ran uh, on the idea of single payer, so trying to say that he didn't. Um, implement single payer with uh, the majority in both houses, I think is a little, um, and he never ran on that. He at one point said that single payer might be the best thing. Um, but then he later said that it's not realistic in passing it, just like what Hillary is saying today. Um, the problem with the whole idea, you know, I've done the math on this. I haven't posted it completely online. I don't think, but I've done the math um, where if you look at the amount of days 
because you don't just need a simple majority in the Senate. You need 60 votes or else they're going to filibuster you. So, um, and the Republicans said, even from before the day he was sworn in, or maybe the day he was sworn in, they met for lunch and they said, look, we are going to just say no, 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 until he, um, and, and not allow him to get what we want to have done. Uh, so what happened is uh, you had, but even then, the, you know, the ALF, um, first you had Arnold Specter from Pennsylvania. He flip-flopped, I think, sometime around April. So at that time, you had um, 59 Democratic senators. Before uh, Arnold Specter flipped, you had 58 Democratic senators out of, out of 99 um, because you didn't have all 100 seated yet. And then sometime around June, you had Al Franken's election finally was decided. So at that point in June, you had 60 votes. And then you had, uh, think of the summer break. Uh, and then you had uh, some days that took place up until Ted Kennedy's dying. Um, it took some days between Ted Kennedy dying and um, his temporary replacement to take, to take office. Um, and then after that, you wound up having, you know, Scott Brown getting elected and taking office in 2010. Uh, so there was really only about 120 working days or, or maybe a little less than that, uh, that President Obama had 60 votes in the Senate and a majority in the House to actually get the things that he wanted to get done. Included was a health care bill. Now, his health care bill more matched that he wanted more matched HR 3200, which didn't have a mandate, which instead said that if you don't have health insurance, uh, you, you, you'll basically pay for it. You can pay for it via your taxes on a sliding scale based on your ability to pay. To me, HR 3200 was the superior bill. Unfortunately, with the politics that as it was, they were basically able to convince uh, Republicans that or conservative voters that these were so-called death panels in this bill um, and rationing of care and it got to the point where the Liberty Council wrote this letter uh, calling, um, I think, Section 122 of the bill, if I'm remembering correctly, as rationing of care. Section 122 uh, limited co-payments uh, or cost-sharing that a plan could have. It didn't limit actually. Um, it didn't actually limit um, or ration care. It just basically said that you know this is this is the amount of cost-sharing that can be done. And I got to an argument with Joseph Gao, the guy that actually wound up winning at one of his healthcare town halls, and actually got the, the, the audio of him saying, you are much, much smarter than I am, when I basically thought I told him that he was wrong on the issue. Um, so you wound up, you know, no, we right, had... But, 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 but right, everything you're saying is correct. What, what I want to just say to you is, do you think it was accidental that they made that assumption or made that, that, that false inquiry about it? Like, no, the money that was coming into them... That was a, their agenda to push those those mantras forward, and you hear the the crazy people frothing at the mouth at the town halls, yelling death panel, death panel. That was the job that was to be done. And as far as how pragmatic and how uh, politically, I guess you could say, calculating Obama has been about everything, do you really believe that he would have put himself out on the line that early in his presidency? Or would he have taken the slow approach that he does with everything else, uh, the, you know, the incremental approach that he does with everything else? So it's like I understand, you know, the, the lay of the land at the time. And, yes, you know, that was, a, that was a short window. But what you know about that man, 
I mean, you you do have to admit that you know he's not gonna, he's only going to go out put himself out there only so much when it comes to how much political capital he can lose on any topic. So that's, well, sure. That's, well, that's, ever since he ever since he lost the the Democratic majority in the House, you know, he he's had to act methodically because he's had to you know basically say, okay, this is when I can need to get stuff done. Um, but you know, I think he did work fast um, on. Um, healthcare, especially when he started flying Ted, seeing Ted Kennedy get sick. Um, nobody, uh, nobody, especially me, expected uh, the Massachusetts Tennessee to go to Scott Brown. I mean, I think that was a shocker. Uh, but the mm-hmm. idea that Obama knew that he had a short amount of window to actually get some of these stuff done. So I think he, I don't think he was as methodical as he could have been um, had he known he had more time with healthcare reform. He also had other things passed, like the Matthew Shepard Act. Uh, and he also got the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which um, pretty much required all 60 senators as well. So there was only a limited amount of things that could be done during that window. So I just, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make, though, is that I, I, don't, I think that, you know, criticizing him for not going after single payer, I think, is, is somewhat off. Just because of the fact that I don't think that he, um, he never ran on that idea. So I, I, nobody should have expected him to be pushing for that. Um, but, but know, that's, that's, why he, that's why everything was so vague with him running, period. That's why everything was changed. Okay, change what? Change how? That's why they, he got that advertising award uh, after 2008. Because everything was you list your dreams and hopes on him laying out this vague platform, and you write down what you think it is, like an empty vessel. You lay out what you think uh, that actually means. And because of that, once you get in, then you can say, hey, 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 I never said I was that guy. I never said I was that guy. You know what I mean? So you can always kind of get out of it. Like, I, I feel like I have a good grasp of who that guy is politically just from, you know, from the outside, of course, nowhere near inside to know enough. But just from the outside, I know who this guy is. He, he, I'm out. I will say run to the mill because he's really good on the microphone. He's really good at persuading people. Uh, he, he's really good at laying out what he actually wants, you know, when he, when he is being forceful. So I'll, I'll give him all of that. But as far as, uh, you know, being a president who I would, you know, agree with, uh, no, I didn't vote for the man. Uh, you know, I, I knew what it was uh, in the beginning. So when you see a man like this in office and you still have the war on drugs, you still have the 13 to 1, you know, cocaine and crack discrepancy, you still have the uh, for profit prisons and all these other things going on, uh, this high unemployment rate uh, within the black community, which is almost depression era levels. After a while, you just look at it and say, okay, uh, this is another Democrat who's willing to throw black people to the wolves uh, because they can be politically problematic uh, for anything he wants done. So I see the same thing with Bernie, uh, and we know that with Hillary. So, I, yeah. And, you know, we don't even need to speak on the other side. We already <laughs> know what the other side's about. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I, respect, I respect your ability to not only look at these bills and understand them, but to explain them in a way that I think most people can grasp, because that's a rare quality in, uh, you know, in, in folks walking around nowadays. Well, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, look, you know, I, I you know, I can't imagine, you know, what it was, what it, what it must be like uh, living as uh, a person of color in this country. Even now, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, we've come a long way, but we still haven't gone far enough. 
um, is, is the way I, you know, will tell, you know, some of my conservative friends who will tout the gains that we've had in this country um, moving towards racial equality. And, you know, we're, we're definitely far away from that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, on the system, on, you know, it's just, it's frustrating me. It's just so frustrating to me because, you know, we have to, we have to come away, you know, especially when it comes to like issues like police brutality. Um, and, I, and honestly, you know, you know, when it comes to those type of issues, I definitely, you know, I trust the Democratic Party way more than I trust the Republican Party on that. That's for sure. Um, um, but again, you know, most likely what's going to happen is you're going to have a Democratic president with a Republican Congress and, you know, probably won't see that much done and more probably would have to get done on a local level, you know, unless you have the Democratic person in office um, and their Justice Department go after uh, civil rights violations, which is definitely a, a way, I, I think, to go and the way that would, you know, especially in the short term, to look at these issues like police brutality um, and the, you know, the this is disproportionate, you know, arrest rates, conviction rates, sentencing uh, that is done towards, um, you know, minorities, uh, especially the African-American community, uh, as, a, as compared to, you know, individuals uh, who are white. Um, and it's, you know, one of the things I talked about, I don't know if you're listening earlier when I was discussing this, but one of the things that I think needs to get done um, is, is we need to make it very clear uh, to police officers who, are, who want to do the right thing. Uh, we have to let those police officers know, when, you know if they're going to come out and they're going to expose um, corruption, if they're going to expose um, bad behavior on the parts of uh, racist uh, police officers and racist just, you know, law enforcement systems in general, that we need to tell them that we're going to have their back. They, you know, they're people who, you know, probably a lot of good people um, who are going to, you know, want to do something, but then look at their families and say, you know what, you know, I, I need to also support my family. And I, and that's I, I, very hard for me to put that at risk. Um, I'm not saying that it's an excuse to not do anything. Um, but, you know, some people might be a little gun shy on that. And we, we need to come out and as a community um, in America, um, people who are concerned about these sort of issues um, and saying, um, you know, no, no, I, I, I definitely get your, uh, no, I get your point on that. I, I think your point is correct. I think the, the whole problem is uh, if you have, you know, 5% of a police force who are good guys and good citizens who actually want to change their force and root out all the bad guys, the problem is they're going to get retaliation and, you know, run out of the job. So the question right. becomes how did we get the majority of the force bad and only a few good apples in there who are either scared to speak or, you know, they know, hell, their life could be in danger, you know, at certain well, that, that's, uh, you know, And that's why, that's why it's vital that people come out and say, look, uh, that we come out and say, look, we are going to have your back. Do not fear retaliation. We are going to support you 100%. And that's the only way we're going to see a change if individuals come up and say that. Um, you know, and, and yeah. you know, I, I think my way of, looking at things, especially when it comes to issues of, of race. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've never been somebody who, you know, and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I'm actually trying to toot my parents' horn for a second. Um, who's, you know, looked at people as really anything beyond people. You know, I'm not saying I don't see race. Like that's a stupid comment that people make, you know, that obviously is race and it exists. And there's, you know, 
you know, differences in skin color, then, then you know, white privilege is, is a real thing and, and people who deny it are on crack. Um, but, you know, I was the only white kid in my block when I was growing up when, you know, when my parents were still together and we were living in a house and, you know, but my parents didn't raise me to look at it as me being the only white kid in the block. They, you know, they just, those were other kids in the neighborhood and I played with them. And just like I played with the kids that I went to school with and the, you know, when it, when it would blizzard, um, I remember a very big blizzard that took place, I think in 83 or 82, uh, one of those years. And, you know, the neighborhood got together and shoveled the streets so people could drive out of the neighborhood. And it wasn't a, you know, a color thing. It was just the neighbors getting together and helping each other out. And as they were doing that, we would, all the kids in the neighborhood would climb up on the piles and throw snowballs at each other and have fun in the snow. So I guess I have to give, you know, definite, you know, props to my parents who did the job of, I guess, raising me as somebody who, who's not going to, you know, try and, you know, prejudge people based off of who they are. And, you know, so whenever I see, you know, like, um, you know, video of like a cop rushing up on a kid in, with a toy gun in a park and just automatically opening a fire. Meanwhile, you see other pictures of, or hear other stories of reports of, you know, a white guy going to the police station, you know, waving around a gun um, and them not getting shot and them being treated with the patients. Um, it just, the, it's, the idea is just so foreign to me. It's just, it just to me, it just, it's never, never dawns on me to, to look at somebody and say, oh, uh, I should expect differently of that person because of this because of their skin color. And, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, we don't have more parents that are like that. And then it's unfortunate, you know, there was a video. Have you seen the video um, that, that had been going around Facebook that uh, basically asked kids to say who the good doll was, who the bad doll was, who the good baby was, who the bad baby was, who the, who was the pretty baby, yeah. who was the ugly baby. You've seen that one? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the doll yeah. They did. They did that again. They did it way back in the sixties. They've done it now. Still the same situation. Uh, Jane Elliott's work is, is even better than that, where, where she puts people in different groups and shows them, uh, you know, just the differences in what it feels like for somebody to decide, you know, by some outside factor that you're less than or whatever. But the, the, the biggest issue, no matter what, is uh, people's ability to practice racism. When white people no longer have the ability to practice racism, then we won't have to deal with it anymore. Race is a social construct, and it kind of shows the immaturity of America, the fact that we haven't uh, fixed this within all of this time. Uh, this is not something that's biological. It's not something that's actually real. We just made it real uh, right. by process and how we act. So, that, I mean, that's that's what the, the – no matter what, that's what the – I guess you could say that the, the real trump card is in this. Uh, if somebody, like if you had, like your parents, if every everybody had your parents, okay, so we'd have a much better, uh, more fair-minded society. That's helping one thing. But the real issue is the ability. Like, like I said, like if somebody doesn't like me because I'm black, hey, that's their business. Uh, that's how they feel. I could care less. But right. if they have the ability to deprive me of something or stop me from doing something or have the law practice force on me because they choose to do so, that's where the problem lies. So right. that's that's what the issue is to me. It's, it's an issue of power and economic instability on one side and economic uh, wealth 
and prosperity on the other. So as long as that dynamic exists, we're going to have these problems. So, right, and it, you it, have institutional. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I know a lot of white people who get along with everybody, but I also know <laughs> some white people who, who uh, have done some tragic and, you know, destructive things to other people within the workplace and just within, uh, you know, society, whether, you know, calling the police on someone who they decided was suspicious uh, based on them not being qualified to understand anything like that but still doing it and, and showing that for us. Those things are out there. But, man, let's get back to the town hall, man. I don't want to – Oh, no problem. I mean, the town hall is pretty much over. I was peeking oh, okay. in on it every now and then. It pretty much – there was a discussion on um, – I'm not sure if it was medical marijuana or just decriminalization of marijuana as a whole. Um, I, I didn't quite get where Hillary was on that. I'll have to look back into that. But, you know, there, there was, the end of it was a much of, well, just like the end of the Bernie Sanders hour was a bunch of, um, you know, just sort of, you know, why, why should I vote for you or why should I convince my kids? And one of the questions here was why, why should I have my kids or how should I convince my kids to vote for you instead of voting for Bernie Sanders? Um, you know, I think I think you know one of the things like I think that sets the sets because these two Democratic candidates apart as opposed to the Republicans is, is that you know I don't necessarily view you know I, I reject the idea of I would have a beer uh, with this person you know a lot of people use that as a political measuring stick is you know, how relatable somebody is but you know right. despite both of those people being you know people who served you know statewide political office or even in the case of Hillary Clinton who's been uh, federal, you know, um, you know, appointments, you know, her service as secretary of state, you know, serving the entire nation in that capacity. You know, despite that, you know, both of them seem to be people who, at least I think at some point or at some level uh, can be relatable, at least to me. Um, and I can understand why other people might think differently. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, one of the things that just bothers me is that the people – now, if you think, you know, it's important to have a progressive person or a liberal person or a left-leading person even, um, or, you know, regardless of what you want to put the label on, because there's a lot of argument as to who is a, quote, progressive these days, um, especially going on in the current Democratic primary. Um, if, you, if you think it's important that, you know, you don't have a Republican appoint the next, uh, next one, two, or even three Supreme Court justices, um, to me, I think that that's the most important thing. And, and look, again, you know, states in, in the South, um, the South are going to be the last states to go Democrat. I don't think it's going to happen at all. So if you want to get out there and vote third party, um, I'm not going to begrudge you for that. I even told the person, you know, who I was debating, I don't even know what state she lived in, um, who we were going back and forth. And she was like, I didn't know voting was mandatory. Because she was even suggesting, you know, well, if I'm not enthralled to go out for the Democratic candidate, I might just not go vote. And I'm like, and that's fine if you want to do that. Um, that's fine if you want to not vote. I'm not telling you that you have to vote, um, but, you know, you do have people should understand that voting and, or not voting does have come with consequences. And one of the consequences that took place in 2010 uh, clearly was the fact that um, we got uh, state legislatures and redistrict redrawings that were much more uh, right-leaning or, or that enabled the right wing of the party to have a really off balance or disproportionate control of what's going on in this country right now. And that's rather unfortunate. And really the only way to stop that uh, is to put, make sure that the president is at least uh, counterbalanced to that gigantic weight that's going on 
Um, so, uh, yeah, but you I know, think, I think one. Yeah, just let me add real quick. I think one place we really miss is uh, social media-wise, local elections. We don't really press that hard on local elections. Uh, we make this big hullabaloo about you know the presidency every four years, but locally there's no huge push to get out, and that's usually what you know what affects most people's lives on the day to day the most. But, you know, then it's just crickets and people putting on stickers saying I voted, and, you know, you kind of nod your head to those, but for the most part, you know, that turnout is so low. And Oh, yeah, and, and look, and that's, that's a big I, problem. I have, you know, one of the, the person who's currently uh, the president of the New Orleans City Council, um, we became friends, actually, during the, the election um, because of the fact that he was out there um, campaigning and his the person that was running against him um, was being critical of him uh, for being having been a defense attorney um, as you know oh he defends criminals and that somehow makes him a bad person and and I completely went off on this woman I completely just went off on her and I said and he even pointed out the fact that her son is also has some is somebody who has served in elected office and also has been a defense attorney and her husband had been a defense attorney at some point in, in her life, but she was having the gall to attack this guy to be a defense attorney and I've gone after several people who have been like this from the attacks on one of I think Obama's nominees for being a defense attorney and defending somebody uh, there was a there's a uh, DA's race that took place in, in another parish in Louisiana where that happened but. So look, if you don't understand or respect the idea that defensive attorneys play a vital role in our system of justice, then you have no respect for the system of justice, and I don't want you elected dog catcher, let alone anything else. And I was out there hitting, I was out there hitting that election especially hard, um, trying to advocate for people to go out and vote for this guy. And he won, which I was completely happy for. I mean, it, it was to the point where it was during a parade season. I think it was during the state had our elections, I think take place in April um, for those seats. And he, you know, I saw him out and I was like, Hey, it's liberal Dan. And he gave me this big hug and he was marching with a van, like he had a Vander Holyfield campaigning with him. He's like, Hey, come meet the champ. And you know what the first thing I did when I shook a Vander Holyfield's hand was? I checked out the ears. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta you, can, look you can actually see a little the little place where where a little bit of the ear was taken off by Tyson. So that's the first thing I looked at. But you know, and I have a picture of myself and um, Jason Williams and Evander just you know shaking hands at this parade. So so I get you. You know you know turnout on you know local elections is just as vital as turnout on state elections, which is just as vital as federal elections. And and you are right. Unfortunately. You know the, the federal elections get much are more sexy. They're more popular. They have you know they play much bigger because you have so many more people talking about it. But you know I definitely do think that you know people do have to leverage social media uh, on those local issues as well to get those people out because unless you have those smaller voting bases getting up and building up these smaller coalitions, that's the only way you're going to build up. And you know when Bernie Sanders discusses a quote revolution. Now that's that's the real way you get that to happen. It's we people working from the bottom up. Um, that's why I question a lot of third party candidates when they run for president. Um, if you're 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 going to have a hard time as president getting things done 
if you don't have that support system underneath you to help you out. And it's also you're going to have a hard time winning as president if you don't have people beating the door down and, and knocking on doors in the districts and advocating for those issues at your local level. So it's, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah, if you don't have to rabble outside, right, that, that old FDR, if you don't have to rabble outside to say, you know, get out there and make me do it, like, uh, yeah, make things become really difficult. And, and let me ask you one question too, man. Uh, just the idea as we watch all of this, you know, this coverage on TV and everything else and print media and everybody's getting their, their, their little money uh, from Iowa caucus and all, and New Hampshire's next, and they'll, they'll descend on New Hampshire. At what point are, are some of these things just relics that need to be thrown away? Uh, Iowa was able to get their hands on this a long time ago, and they're going to hold on to it, you know, so with a fight to the death. But how representative of, of the country is Iowa, New Hampshire? Not. And these places <laughs> that we make such a big deal about, like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it baffles me that why Iowa gets to be so special, why, why there are these special snowflakes that you can't offend if you dare suggest that maybe another state should be up at that point as well. Now, I can understand why perhaps you might want to spread the primaries out to give candidates more of an opportunity to give their message to the individual states. That's fine. But, you know, I don't think it has to be the same people going first each time, maybe have some sort of rotational thing that goes in, but you know, they like to be special. So they're going to do things as they want to do things. And other States, I guess, don't like to be as special. I don't know. I guess other States don't care as much or, you know, I guess, you know, it's probably an artifact of the fact that we have these two major parties. So they pretty much get to dictate what's going on. Um, one thing I did say, even though I, I was a registered Democrat when I said this at the time, uh, there was one thing going on in Louisiana where you had a um, we had open primaries at the time where anybody could run for office and just the top two went to the runoff if nobody got a simple majority. Um, and the only people that wanted to move us to a closed primary system where people ran within parties and then you didn't need a simple majority win. All I needed to do was get the most votes. Um, yeah. There are two entities that were supported such a thing, the Louisiana Democratic Party and the Louisiana Republican Party. So I was like, if that's the only thing that these two can agree on, that probably tells me it's a bad thing. And we tried it for, I think, an election. And I think nobody, yeah. everybody hated it. So we went right back to the open primary system again. So I think they wanted, I think what they wanted was to do it so that you could get rid of, I think they wanted to get rid of that guy, Bill Jefferson, who was corrupt, and they did. And then they went back to open primaries, and then we got another guy, Cedric Richmond, who is way better than Bill Jefferson. Um, he's a good pitcher, too, apparently. Like he, he, he's struck out some of his Republican colleagues from Louisiana in their annual baseball game. One relic, though, that I think absolutely should go away, and if it did, and if, and if they did it in the way that I suggested, um, would actually eliminate the problem of gerrymandering as well, is, you know, back in the day, back in the 1700s, um, 1800s, you know, you needed to have a person, you know, representing a certain geographical area because the person representing that geographical area is going to be most likely to know what that area needs. But even though our country has gotten larger since the inception of our country because we have more territory, the because of the internet and everything and, 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 and increases in technology and travel, you know, we've gotten smaller. You know, we've gotten a lot closer together. Everything is, is not as, you know, 
it might take a couple of hours back then to get across the district. Now it might take a couple of hours to get across the state, um, unless it's Virginia and you're going up 81, and that's ridiculous. But that's another topic. I think we should get rid of congressional districts altogether and just elect slates of candidates. So you, you're, if you're if you want to run a slate, you put as you know you put a bunch of candidates up there. The people who are voting on that slate not only vote for the slate, but vote for their preference within that slate. And so then you could say, okay, well, this slate won this many, this many seats. Uh, and then the order of preference of those seats is the A, B, and C. Those are the people that are going to be elected to Congress on those slates. And I think you would have a much, it's a little more parliamentary than what we have now, but it would, there would be no way that you could draw lines and, and, and gerrymander that. You could create a Tea Party ticket if you wanted. You could create a Republican Party, a Green Party, and if, and if the people in, 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 the, in the Green Party was able to get one, you know, sixth of the Louisiana vote, then they would get one seat. If the Democratic Party was able to, you know, maybe they won one slate, maybe they won three different slates, depending on interests. You know, you vote for the slates as you, deem, as you, as you wish, and you, it goes accordingly. So I think if you were to have that, I think, I, think, I think the districts are probably the most archaic thing that we're holding on to. I think if we got rid of that, we would we would eliminate a lot of this gerrymandering problem that we have, and we would you know the House of Representatives would be much more representative uh, of the people than it is currently. And you have a weird thing going on right now, where it used to be you know the senators were the the representatives of state governments, and the House was the representatives of the people. And since they, the state government got to got to redraw the districts and make them, you know, more to what their liking is, you've now kind of flipped the script. And now with, now that you have the 17th amendment, I believe, um, that you know, allows for the direct election of senators, uh, the Senate has become the choice of the people and the house has become the choice of the state legislatures, um, which becomes really scary when you have people who then advocate for the abolition of that amendment returning, um, eliminating direct election of senators and returning it to state governments, uh, despite the fact that the reason that they moved to direct election was because the system became so corrupt that the states were pretty much moving to direct election anyway. Um, And there there was some, I mean, if if you haven't read the history as to why we moved to direct election of senators, there are some really horrible things that went on uh, during those times. So, um, anyway, no, no, um, I think that's a, that's a good workable solution. The only thing I would say is uh, you still have the foxes in the henhouse. So those two parties would again collude together to figure out a way to make it to where not only can you keep the other people from getting involved and keep the other, you know, the other parties from being legit, uh, but they can make it to where it's always a cause up between those two. So I, I think that's a legit work up that you came up with, but the, the question that will always remain how do you get them out of the in-house? Because if they're the two that are sitting there, they're eventually going to tailor the rules to their liking. You know sure. what I mean? Uh, but so I, I mean, you have a point. That's the issue. <laughs> I just think it's a lot more likely that if you had such a system that let's say, let's say a state is, you know, a sixth of a state would vote for a Green Party candidate, you know, but they're probably mm-hmm. spread out amongst the states. So there are odds of changing any one um, district election are slim to none. But if they were all able to get together and form a slate and then all vote for that slate, then 
they could get one seat and one 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 representative in there, which is one more than what they had previously. And to me, it gets a foot in the door for having a lot more diverse ideas uh, happening in Congress. And and hey, if if one party that runs is like extremist, you know, religious right Tea Party folks, and they run a slate of candidates and they win a seat, then that's their one seat that they get. But nowadays in Louisiana, you're getting five of those in the House instead of just one, uh, because right. each, each area gets to have those, you know, their, you know, leading candidates, you know, push out all the other ones in the pri- in the primaries and in the runoff. You're stuck between, you know. If you're a, if you're a moderate conservative, you either have to vote for the crazy guy, or you have to vote for the liberal who survived. And you're, if you're a conservative, you're most likely going to vote for the liberal guy. So anyway, I'm probably going to go ahead and end the show soon. Now, do you want to make a last comment before I head off? Uh, no, man. Uh, good talking to you. Uh, good show. You're doing it on the fly. Uh, respect, man. Right, thank you very much. And I, you are welcome to call at any time and debate and debate any issue with me. Discuss any issue with me. No, I love having you call in. You know, you know, it's it's it, you definitely add a positive to the show. And just say, you know, go on Twitter, spread the word to your friends. You know, follow Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, um, and let's give the guy a listen. And I, the more listeners I get, the I think the, I mean, you said some very kind things about what I how I can represent the issues. And you know, if I didn't think that I could do that, you know, I wouldn't. You know, those sort of things and bring a different uh, point of view or bring a different way of explaining things. I wouldn't see the need for me to have the podcast in the first place. And I put my time and effort in other things, but, you know, I, I try and do those things that you suggested that I do. And I appreciate that you acknowledge that. And it means a lot to me. Um, but just say, and if anybody else out there listening, if you agree with that, just the show to your friends, let them know that, Hey, there's a show is trying to take off and it could definitely use more listeners and more support. Uh, so again, thank you very much. You have a great night. Um, I appreciate you calling in. Um, and that's, is the end of the show for this week. Uh, we did go very long today. Um, I do appreciate uh, everybody who listened. Um, you know, we'll be back again next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. You can always go to liberalband.com and leave your comments and questions there. You also can follow me at Liberal Band Radio on Twitter or facebook.com slash liberalband. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, have a